0: Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello everyone, you are listening to the C Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today we have a super special guest, Chris Crobaton, rhymes with Satan. <laughs> uh, author, journalist, works for, works for a lot of publications, has worked for a lot of publications. Impressive career in the writing world, specifically in regards to metal. And we're super excited to have him here to answer our questions. We're going to give him a grill, but guess what? We have Holly here to supervise us, so it shouldn't get too out of control. But first, I do just want to say thank you for joining us today. We're super excited to have you.
1: Thank you for having me. This is very cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about very cool, but we do our best. Um, (laughs) But for anybody who's not really familiar with you or familiar with your work, well, maybe they're familiar with your work, but they don't realize that you did it. Do you want to just give a brief, you know, nutshell version of who you are, what you do, the kind of stuff you work on?
1: Sure. Um, I'm a, uh, sort of by day, I'm a heavy metal journalist. Um, I started writing, uh, initially I was an internet revolver uh, back in like the mid to late 2000s and um, then ended up writing for a lot of websites. I wrote for uh, the site Invisible Oranges as Scab Casserole. I wrote for Metal Sucks for a considerable amount of time as Emperor Rhombus. I'm a man of many names. Um, and then, uh, I worked at Kerrang magazine, the British rock magazine had a U.S. office. Uh, I was a staff editor there and, um, then COVID hit and the world ended. And, um, now I'm the staff writer at a heavy metal website called the pit. And by night I'm a YA and teen author. I write middle grade and, uh, YA books, you know, usually sort of a goosebumpsy horror or like rock and roll fiction or stuff like that.
2: I have a question as a follow-up for, for you, Chris. So, um, <laughs> basic, why did you why do you write under, or why did you write under so many different names out of curiosity?
1: I have a metalhead, man, and the metal name is a tradition that I really believe in. And just, you know, I think for a lot of these websites, I was just having fun with it. Uh, with Invisible Oranges, I love the idea of Scab Casserole, who's this sort of like a verbose Hunter Thompson figure. Like Scab Casserole loved to drink and talk about, you know, Odorous Yerungus's dick and stuff like that. And um, Scab Casserole has also been a name I've used on different things, um, you know, like different projects, different uh, things that I've been a part of. I did a podcast about listening to metal albums while very stoned, uh, where I was Scab Casserole called Fried Lightning for a little bit with, uh, with a friend of mine. But, um, you know, I, I just also, man, uh, with Metal Sucks, it was funny because they'd been doing it. They were Vince Neilstein and Axel Rosenberg. I'm not gonna come in mm-hmm. with my real name on top of that. So I was Emperor Rhombus, which is also a metal pun, and I, I uh, hope that you know, you figure out what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, I also just, man, I I love I love Halloween. I love fun. And, like, if being a rock journalist can't be a fun thing, especially a metal journalist, where you're writing about, like, dudes in masks, barfing on stage. You know, uh, why even do it? And so I found, like, writing under the fake name gave me a little creative license that was just a lot of fun to
2: do. So... Okay, before I let anyone else, else go, so just as another follow-up, so how come you have gone from to mainly just being we are the pit, and not doing the other places as much anymore out of curiosity?
1: Um, you know, with each publication, it's just about what I, I want to do and don't want to do. Um, you know, like Revolver and I just sort of, uh, you know, that relationship just ended. Invisible Oranges, similarly. um Karang, U.S. office went under and, uh, you know, it was my last job before COVID went crazy and my wife and I had a baby. And so, like, yeah. I just wanted to take a step back from it. And, um, you know, I also just uh, the freelance life is tough, man. I always chasing down these. Can I swear on this show? Of course. Go for it. You're always chasing down these fucking emails, man, that have the little bit of information that you actually need for the interview or the meetup or whatever. And, uh, you know, with the pit, they needed a staff writer. They needed somebody to write news, features, you know, uh, opinion, like do the whole nine yards. And that's a little better. I just feel like in terms of having a a focus of your work, man, the guys who can do the freelance thing are awesome and hardcore, man. Like there are a couple of dudes who have been in metal for forever, who have been in metal and now report on hip hop or other genres of music, who've just kept up being a freelance writer. And I'm like, endlessly impressed by that. I I work better with a little structure, um, which was what Kerrang was, which is what the pit is, you know, much more of this day-to-day grind of kind
2: of rock and metal. Makes sense. Holly, you want to do the next question? Um, sure. I mean, I'd be interested to know how you got into doing, like, um, well, how you got into journalism in general, but also how you got into writing your nonfiction. I mean, your fiction, I- rather. That's what I meant.
1: Sure. Um, uh, so, met journalism, it was funny. Uh, so, I was just honestly just writing wordy, lengthy album reviews on my MySpace. I was like reviewing the new Slayer on my MySpace. And so, I was kind of like honing my craft doing that. And then I just responded to an ad for Revolver to be their intern. And that was a good introduction. But in terms of really like pursuing writing for journalism, um the person I have to give credit well, two people. Uh, Brennan Geist at Revolver, who's like one of the oldest heads in this industry and one of the better dudes, he's just like a good dude at heart, Um, really taught me about like what this had to be if you were going to do this. It couldn't be something you kind of played at and had too much fun with. You had to grind at it. And uh, Kim Kelly, you know, of of Noisy and pretty much every other publication um, in in my world. Um, Kim was a great friend who just like introduced me to the Invisible Oranges people and really got me into this idea of like, this could be a life and this could be a job and this could be something that you do regularly and, and make a name for. And um, my fiction writing was a mixture of just like luck and and uh, stuff doing stuff on my own. I became an intern at Scholastic uh, when I was in high school because of a family friend connection with um, the editor, David Levithan, who's also the author behind things like Nick and Norris, Infinite Playlist, uh, Boy Meets Boy, a lot of these. Um, very popular YA books that take things a little more seriously. And he uh, was just this amazing boss and mentor who taught me a lot about finding your creative voice. But while I was there, I started writing this uh, book about a heavy metal kid in love in high school, called, which ended up being called Heavy Metal and You. It was my first book, David edited it. And uh, that sort of just got the ball rolling. And um, the truth is, is that in both industries, the tr- if you're a reliable enough writer, like if you meet deadlines and provide a product that's like pretty good to read, um, you can kind of keep things going because people will come to you eventually, you know, Um, and that's if you, that's not to say you can't, you don't have to work hard, you have to bust your ass. You have to like write at night and write in your off hours and write, you know, just stuff you may not have wanted to write, but you're like, you know what, I will write about this Christian metalcore band from Kansas because... I'm not doing anything right now and I could use a hundred dollars and who knows, maybe they'll be interesting, but you've got to, you've got to work really hard. But uh, that said, these are, these are genres where if you can establish yourself for your writing ability and your tenacity and your creativity, um, you know, you can sort of uh, maintain a career there that is, um, you know, fulfilling and supportive and interesting. And um, that's sort of what I've done in both the uh, kids and teen lit and in metal.
2: Out of okay. Oops, sorry. go ahead. Sorry, apologize. I've got a quick follow-up. Sure. Are you, are you with a publisher then for your book? So are you like self-published?
1: Um, I don't self-publish, you know, I've considered it because like for everything I've published, there are three or four really crazy first 30,000 words of a book that I have in store where I'm just like shopping that around and everyone's like, no, this is an insane thing that no one wants to read. Um, and then teenagers, parents in America aren't going to let them read on. Um, but uh, I, you know, I have different publishing houses at different times. Right now I'm on my third book with Scholastic under David. Uh, I've been doing a string of uh, middle grade horror books and um, it's just a really good relationship. You know, they're amazing. They leave me alone to do some weird stuff, but reel me in when I need to. And um, David Levithan continues to be like one of the best dudes in the, in the industry. Um, so... I've had many publishers over the course of my career. Um, A lot of authors do. Again, if you're a working author, it sometimes means just picking up work or writing. When somebody comes to you being like, hey, we have this idea for a vehicle or this I've ghostwritten a couple of kids books, you know, where they're like, your name wouldn't be on it. But, uh, you know, it's it's a good thing to do and good thing to let people know, like you can do that. You know, I think authors often, you know, myself included, get kind of caught up in their own, world of but when will I write my like great novel and like um you know I've always really respected people like uh like I really like like Thomas Patrick Lennon do you know that is he's Lieutenant Dangle on Reno 911 he yeah. was state um mm-hmm. he he is just one of these guys he and the guy who plays Junior on Reno 911 I think uh have written a number of movies together that like they wrote like the night at the museum movies and stuff like that and he wrote a book uh about it basically being like look you can. You can either be that dude writing your screenplay that is your brilliant gem, or you can like get to work. And I've always really believed in that idea of like, keep writing, write whenever, you know. Um, You'll probably be doing it anyway. You'll probably be keeping some insane journal or writing reviews of movies that no one will ever read. So just like, uh,
2: just keep at it, you know. So um, just for my quick follow-up before we went on to anything else. So how did you kind of like, I don't want to put this. So, how do you kind of separate out the different writing hats that you have? Because you got the fiction, and you got the, and you got the music journalism. Like, what? I guess kind of more what I'm trying to say is, what is the most important role to you—the jur- music journalism or the fiction, or is it, or how how does this work?
1: That's a really interesting question, man. Because um, you never po- really thought. Well, what are you?
0: Sure, you sure.
1: What are you? What are you? What <laughs> am I? What
0: you?
1: Um You know, man, it's funny because like uh they, they occupy two very different worlds for me, like mentally and, and creatively. Um at the same time, you know, man, uh the music journalism is work and I like that. The fiction is often very fun. The fiction is often a chance to really flex one's uh writing muscles and music journalism is music journalism. You know what I mean? You can do some really interesting things with music journalism, but sometimes you've also got to make some bread and, you know, spread some butter. You know what I mean? And so uh, the music journalism, I think to me, will always feel like fulfilling, interesting work. You know, and if, if your work involved, like talking to Andreas Kisser from Sepultura or like, you know, getting to chat with a member of Testament or something like that on a given day, like nice work if you can get it, man. Um, but you know, the, for me, it's the kind of thing where the dream would maybe someday be to, uh, to just write books for kids and make my living off of that. Um, but at the same time, man, I say that, but I would just piss off my (laughs) wife with my opinions about metal, about what's going on in metal. You know, I would just come to her being like, did you hear what Slipknot did today? Did you, did you hear what these motherfuckers and she'll be like, leave me alone with this and go write a beautiful children's book. So, so I think the metal journalism thing is something that deep down as a metalhead, like, uh, you know, I've always, I've always had the thought that the style of good metal journalism is like dudes in a basement talking about something, talking about metal maybe over a beer or two. You know what I mean? That I really like metal journalism and it feels familiar and doesn't feel lofty and doesn't feel overly invested in like the subgenre in the world. Um, uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, in that respect, I, I think the metal journalism thing is, a, is something necessary in my life. Like, I think, am I a journalist? Maybe, but I'm more just across the board a writer. You know what I mean? I'm a working writer. And like, that's something that I really have grown to love in the past couple
2: of years, you know? Fair enough. Uh, Corey, you wanna ask the next one?
0: Oh, but the next one's my favorite topic. Are we ready for it?
2: Well, wait. Oh wait, we not, we're not at that one yet, are we?
0: We're not on that one yet?
2: We're on number three.
0: Oh, well, fine. We'll go with that one and we'll go to my favorite topic just yet. So I know a lot of people probably wonder this when they're breaking into uh, metal journalism specifically, is that uh, like how to get spots at bigger publications. I mean, mine was a complete fluke and just me basically badgering the metal injection guys until they hired me. Um, (laughs) But... How did you go about doing it? And, or what is some advice to anybody looking to break into a bigger publication, how they can go about doing it?
1: Um, hmm. I think the first thing is, is show up for anything. And by that, I mean both you know come to shows and come to industry events and meet people. And also just like uh, offer to write. Pretty much everything, anything. Um, I wrote unpaid for a while for any of the mm-hmm. places I'm talking about now. You know, also because I started with a lot of them between like 2008 to 2010 or so, which is when like unpaid uh, online writing was like rampant, you know, um, and sort of like eventually got realized as being kind of the scam that it is. But uh, you know, I can show up to anything, be down to write anything. Badger, Kester. Um, the number of times I send publicists like a third email where it's the same polite language. You don't you don't pester cruelly or meanly, but you you know you comment them being like, so are they going to share that piece or what's going on? You mm-hmm. know, like like badger pester show <laughs> up all the time with your thoughts or your uh, requests or your you know what what if we wrote this? And the other thing I'll say is you just got to come up with good ideas, man. Um, you know, like everyone wants to write about a band's hometown. Everyone wants to write about a band's religion. Everyone has these things of like, here's the easy hook into a band. And you've gotta you've got to come with either a, a fun idea, a cool idea, you know, that, that people haven't written about before, or you need to get at something new. So that's, I mean, it's tough because I wish I had better advice. I wish I had some real beautiful, like gem of wisdom I could give you. And all I can say is just like write your ass off and meet a lot of people and like go to shows, know what you're talking about too is the other thing, you know what I mean? Know what you're talking about in terms of like, know who are big in mainstream metal, know who are big in underground metal, know who are big in black metal, know who are big in metal in, in countries you don't even think of as metal countries. Um, you know, I know Metal Sucks right now is a series of uh, pieces showcasing bands, metal bands in Asian countries that are not, do not normally get showcased. And I think that's a really smart thing and a cool way to like, do something I've never seen before, you know. Um, so I I think to get into this, because the other thing is look, w- right now I've definitely worked with a lot of the people I work with for like almost a decade. Like, you know, it's definitely there's definitely a generation that's been moving on. You know, and so if you're young and you're hungry, you just got to come in cool ideas about cool bands. Give me, send me if you come to me with a band being like, I want to profile this band. And I listen to this band, I'm like, oh, really fucking cool. Uh, I'll let you do it, you know. I'll pay you, I'll see if I can get you $200 to do it as an editor, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it's just, I, it, I wish I had uh, more nuanced and circuitous advice, but the truth is you just, gotta, you just gotta show up and do the work, you know, and as long as you keep doing that and keep pressing that and keep working in it, um, it'll work out. And, and try not to hate it eventually. That's something that's really hard. Um, it's very easy as somebody young in a scene to grow bitter about it especially if you get a lot of your pieces rejected, you know, you're going to get pieces rejected. You're going to get ideas rejected. Um, that's going to happen. And you just gotta, you just gotta keep loving it and keep doing the work.
2: So, so just as a kind of quick follow-up on that one is kind of like, so how do you kind of keep up with all the stuff in metal? Then if you're writing all the time, like you were saying, that you got to be aware of everything basically. So do you have some tips on how to do that without, taking 24 hours a day just scouring the internet um start you know an easy one for me is start an rss feed
1: have literally a feed of news about metal going on on your computer check it every so often update it um how you're going to find out if a cool new album has been announced a cool new tour it's how you're going to find out if um you know if somebody dies you know it's going to be on the front page like um i used to have a folder in my bookmarks of all these sites i would check every day and now i of course have a program like feedly where it's just rolling past me like a stock ticker um so that's just an easy way to keep up with it and the other thing is man talk to metalheads go to shows hang out with metalheads it's always interesting when you go to a show and you come back and you come to your metal friends and you're like we need to talk about this band and like four out of five of them are like Ooh, and then that last one is like holy shit man i saw them the other night and they were amazing you know sure. um make those connections um in terms of just keeping up with this crazy world man all this stuff going every band every day this is the greatest tour that has ever happened you have to show up and we're doing three dollar shots of scope you know what i mean man like mm-hmm. it's it's very easy for people to overhype everything that's going on, every album that comes out, every single that comes out, and so you've just got to like uh, keep watching it and kind of sift through it to find the you know the big stories, the serious stories, and just the uh, the cool stuff, man. Yeah. Great. I'll you know as a staff writer on the pit, I write a lot about animated Metallica, Slayer, Rammstein, like the bands who everyone wants to hear about. But yep. if uh, whatever Gay Creeper, do something cool, I'll write about that immediately. If um you know I don't know uh. VHS from Canada, Houston, and
2: Kuala, right back in the mean. So. Cool. So, actually, Corey, now it's time for your favorite topic.
0: Yay, oh, my favorite. Boy. Topic. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. So, I know you probably get 8 billion pitches every week. I know I do. So, I just want to know, like, what is the absolute like, worst mistakes, or not even like the absolute worst mistakes, but just the most common mistakes you're seeing people make when they're pitching you that is costing them coverage.
1: Now, are we talking about, uh, we're talking about bands and publicists. Yeah, bands and publicists. Uh, Okay, so not like if an author is pitching me a piece. Um, So with bands and publicists, here's here's what, um, here's just a couple of basic rules that come to mind. Um, Your band better be pretty big or interesting if you want me to cover their live album. Um, I'm sorry, but in the modern day, live albums are so common and so easily produced, and often you're just talking to a musician or or covering something in regards to like material and and thoughts and ideas that have already been um, covered before, you know. And I covered the occasional live album last year. I covered uh, a Tarunan's uh Christmas live album because like that's an interesting thing. That's like a Christmas live album. It's Christmas time. We'll cover that, mm-hmm. um, but. But that's one um, another thing that's just costing coverage is uh, what I was saying before, where you're just like making this out to be the most important thing in the world. And then I check this band out and they have like twenty five hundred Facebook followers and, you know, they, they sort of play metal that I kind of hear elsewhere. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, in terms of working with bands, you've just got to also like understand the audience or like maybe come in with a hook. You know what I mean? If you come in being like, this band had terrible teeth and a lot of the songs in this album are about dentistry. I'm like, fuck yeah, that writes itself, man. Like I'll write, the, I'll write up the piece about the dentist metal album. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's cool, that's interesting. But like, I, I had a, a pitch recently where somebody was like, well, this album is, is about uh, the, the main musician behind it has really uh, changed his point of view. And he feels like he's finally worked through his demons and his issues, and now this is about looking outwards, positivity. And I'm like, so it's like every rock and roll album that's ever been written in the history of this genre. You know what I mean? Like this attempt to kind of try and make the mundane like really important and interesting is very common. It's common right now in an era in rock music when sort of these broad and kind of uh, difficult topics like mental health, addiction, uh, depression, anxiety have become. Um, you know, everyday terms that people are really thinking about. So there's a lot of like this album is about their depression and anxiety. And I'm like, that that this one in every stabbing westward album. You know what I mean? Like, so I I think more and more what I'm I'm really urging publishers pub, pub lab, publicists to do is come with something interesting, come with a substantial thing, and um you know also like be ready to talk about. There there are a lot of publicists these days who every email is like. Between us, this is the album of each year. And I'm like, okay, guys, nice. you know, I I understand you're just supporting your boys. But um, I'm also, you know, a big believer in like come to me being like, here's why it's cool, and tell me, tell me why it's cool in terms that aren't just like it's dynamic, it's technical. Be like, this is cool. It has a song about uh Castlevania on it that I really love. And I'm like, okay, cool, let me hear the Castlevania song. You know what I mean? Um, it's tough because you know, there's a lot of straight up mad libs going on here there's just a lot of um get ready because band is releasing album to begin the start of their tour with band band and other Mm things
0: and like
1: every single email is like that and so sometimes you just need to like look for the interesting stuff the other thing is on the state out loud re listen to as many promos as you can you get promo emails like i get 100 promo emails a day 100 like promo album pre-listens And I try to listen to as many as I can. I keep a a spreadsheet of notes on them and when they're coming out and stuff like that. And, um, you know, uh, that's my thought is like, if you come to me with a thing about a band's uh, instrumental playthrough video on YouTube, like, I'm I'm probably not going to care. If you come to me being like, this album rules, here is the album. I'll probably listen to it, you know? And if the band is cool, I'll write about it.
2: I, I want to follow this up, Chris, since you're, since you're talking to three publicists right now. So what, so what, what do you actually, what, what would you suggest we could do to then catch your attention without being cheesy as fuck? Cause, cause I mean, there's that problem too, right? Like being cheesy, being too much hyperbole, like, you know what I mean?
1: Totally. I'm trying to think of what it is. I'm trying to, to play with the idea of like, if I get an email yeah. What about it makes me open it and click through, man? Um, this is so the- Look, part <laughs> of it is like, like I hope the band is a cool name. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, if your band is named like, you know, if it's some sort of metalcore like "To This Authority" yeah. or like Walshy Stutters," I'm just kind of going to be like,
2: ah,
1: ah, okay, I'll open it. You know, um, yeah. this is a message both to popular metalcore bands into like ultra underground death and black metal guys if your photo sucks it does not help you if your photo is a murky photo of just or like a photo where it's a bunch of dudes in a warehouse doing this um you know i'm probably going to kind of be like ah oh okay let's you know um bands like i, I love a band like the black Dahlia Murder or to every yeah. photo is like you know, them in a Camaro or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, and I guess the other thing I will say with um, emails from publicists is I I will, I've actually found this to be true uh, with the newsletter stuff too, working for various websites. Um, I will respond to the right vague hook, you know? If your email is titled like, these guys are sludgy as fuck and need, you know, recognition, like I'm kind of kind of be like, tell me more, you know, like I'm interested to see to see what that means. And so it's tough me because I've never thought about, like, for sure, if you sat me down and put some sodium pentothal under my tongue and electrocuted me at, in front of a, uh, my email, you could find like a beautiful uh, pattern between what I open and what I don't. But um, I can't. It's funny. It's hard to put my finger on right now.
2: What about, what about those? I know some people, I don't do this, none of us do this, but some people do those like, uh, you know, like, like the clickbait type type headline to get people to open or, or, or you, do you like those or? Uh,
1: you know, it, it's just, it's a thin line, man. With yeah. stuff like that, it's just about, cause there's some moment where I'm just sort of like, don't talk to me like I'm an asshole, you know what yeah. I mean? It's very easy when you see some clickbait headline or clickbait email subject, yeah. you know, where you're just kind of like, man, you know, I'm a little smarter. And it's tough because then people are like, okay, I'll just write it out. Be like, Phile's, um Abominox had returned with perhaps the great album of our time, uh, you know, Blood and Toe Jam or whatever. Um, you know, and that I'm also kind of like, ah, okay, I'll take a look, I guess. Um, so there's, there's this thin line where it can be like enticing without being clickbait. Clickbait to me really implies, I've, I've thought about this a lot as a dude who's written for some websites where some of my headlines are kind of like, you know. Yeah. Um, But clickbait for me means you don't deliver. Clickbait means that you write uh, this piece, you know, you can you should see what they're doing here in this. And then the piece is like, they're recording an album, you know, something like that. So if you're gonna do clickbaity stuff, you have to be able to back it up, you know, and um, with emails often, it's just the problem of also being a journalist who listens to metal day in and day out, is that a lot of the clickbait stuff, then when I look through, I'm like, oh, it's a band you know it's a cool band like I'll, i guess i'll look into the cool band as opposed to being like whoa this is a cool thing you know what i mean yep
2: so. yep no i think i understand uh cory did you have any follow-up for pitching bitch fest oh no that
0: was a solid bitch fest
2: cool uh <laughs> how, how about you holly i i got one more i'm mean, that's, that's why i'm just making sure no, no one else has one
1: no no i'm good
2: okay so can you kind of tell us what, without giving any names obviously, or going into too much detail, uh, what is the absolute worst pitch uh, you feel personally that you've ever received uh, as a music journalist?
1: From a publicist.
2: From a publicist or a band, either or.
1: Um, I don't have a specific one in mind sure. in terms of a pitch. But I'll tell you, an interaction comes to mind. When I was at Korang, sure. we had an interaction with a record label, a metal record label, and they floated us a band. And they were just a band who were like too green for us, you know? They hadn't been around very long, and they they just weren't doing anything that compelling. And uh, we we came back being like, are we're, we're not sure this works for us right now. And they came back with some email being like, what are you even talking about? They're heavy. They're dark. They play loud music. What about this doesn't work for you guys? And I was sort of like my thought was simply if we were ever going to write about this band before, we sure as shit aren't going to write about them now. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. uh, And again, if the band came to us being like, we'd like to apologize for our record label guy. Here is our album. We, we would love to work with Krang, you know, We'd probably be like, yeah, okay, we're not monsters sitting around and being like, you know, no, yeah. no feature for you in some yeah. way. You know, I think there's this idea of metal journalists on like the 15th floor of a building in New York. I'm in my fucking basement, guys. Yeah. You know, this is where I do most of my interviews. This is where I'm talking to Christina Scabia. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um. And so my thought is just like with publicists, the the bad ones are always the, uh, the impolite interactions or the feeling of this feeling of uh, uh, with some bands being like, there, there are times where people come being like, we already talked to so-and-so at the bar the other night, or we already emailed so-and-so and he's behind it, like somebody higher up in your organization. Yep. Um, and you are you kind of have to be like, okay, then I guess I'll talk to him. But that feels a little like, you know, mom said it was okay. You know what I mean? So, you know, I think just the, the bad interactions I've had with publicists, and let me be clear that there have been few and far between in the decade plus I've been doing this, um, the publicists I work with are usually the people I started working with like years and years and years ago because we all have a very good relationship. Um, just to do some shouting out like Amy Ciarato, uh Maria Ferrero, Austin Griswold, uh, Nathan Burke, um, who else? Heidi Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, just all these people who like I've worked with. Um, Shannon Boyd. I'm going to probably keep going as I keep talking about it. But um, a lot of these people just know it's the game. Often you guys can have interactions. Nikki Law, a metal blade, um, Enrique at Relapse. Uh, you have these interactions with them where they're like, they'll come to you being like, "Hey man, I need you to cover this band. I need you to do a favor." You're gonna be like, or they'll come to you being like, "Look, uh, I think this band is gonna be huge in two years. I gen- genuinely do. Like, let's work together. It's like you can work with them on that." Or they come to you being like, you come to them being like, "I don't think it's right for us." And their response is like, "Yeah, I get it. You know, like." Um. So the, the bad, the few and far between uh, bad interactions I've had with publicists have, uh, you know, always just been about kind of insistence and talking shit and just like some basic, you know, the childish behavior that exists in any music scene. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any final publicists I want to shout out as long as I'm, but, uh, yeah, anyway, cool. it's, uh, it's also just a businessman where you just got to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be ranting too much. Uh, no, no
0: writing. That is the whole purpose of this podcast, we rant.
1: <laughs> ranting so is good. Um, I guess all I wanted to say last is that, like, uh, I could never do what a lot of these publicists do in terms of just the wrangling of of bands, you know what I mean? Publicists, tour managers, uh, merch designers, label dudes who just, like, actually have to make this happen, to have to be like, where are they on tour? What time zone is it? When can we get in the person from this Bulgarian website to talk to them? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, making some judgment calls in terms of just being like, hey, we need you to come to the show or we need to send this album to this person. Publicists are some of the most tenacious people in the world. And that's something that I'm just I'm bad at. I'm always that guy who like sends somebody a message and then worries I'm going to be impolite or piss with them too much. And a big part of metal journalism has been for me about getting past those, those feelings, being like, this is all business. And publicists have really taught me that in a way in that the publicists I work with are just like, they're getting the work done, man. They're sending out a zillion emails. They're covering a zillion different bands. And they're at the whole time also communicating with them. Mm -hmm. They're like getting texts from Seth from fucking Chili's Abominox or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. so it just seems like uh, an incredibly difficult and thankless job. So, uh, so, you know, as, as a journalist, I definitely consider, think of it as like, we're all in this together. I'm you know? yep. trying to promote this cool music, man. And um, it's gonna be a pain in the ass sometimes, and it's gonna be very funny sometimes. And sometimes you all are gonna finally meet in person and see what the other people look like and get super drunk. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you just, in the meantime, you just gotta, we're all just working on this. We're all just trying to make people know about cool songs. And um, it's exhausting, but it's pretty cool pretty rewarding nice work if you
2: can get it i agree um and i got one final question unless the other two have a question which is basically um so if a band not a publicist but a band um were to try to pitch you what would they what should they do in order to have the most success of potentially getting in front of you or not getting in front of you but getting you to write an article at the pit for example so
1: there are two answers and neither are very Good. Um, first yeah. place be good, be good, be interesting, you know, um, like make music that's cool. Um, and the second is like buy me a fucking beer, man. I will I will remember you better if you buy me a beer, man. Uh, an example of both of these things happening in quick succession was the band Wayfarer from Denver, Colorado. Do you know Wayfarer? Wayfarer play like occultish Americana black metal. They play like Americana, like black metal about like the, the blood and the soil of America. Yep. Um, and they're awesome. They're an amazing band. But Shane McCarthy, the main guy in Wayfarer, uh, uh, was in Denver when I was in Denver, and approached me at True Brewing, and came up and said, "Hey man, I'm from this band, Wayfarer. You're the guy from. I think at the time it was Invisible Oranges. It might have been And I like buy you a beer and give you our album?" And I was like, "I will never say no to this." And we, he sat down and we talked, and he he was a perfectly nice dude, and we hit it off. And uh, then I went home and listened to the album. It was like, oh shit, this fucking rules! And like, this guy is a is a stand up dude too. Um, and so, uh, those are the two. Obviously, look. Also, again, like, cool art, interesting pitch, and stuff like that. Um, uh, approach me if you approach me on social media. You know, just be polite and uh, send me some. You know, send me a link to something, and I'll I'll try and check it out. You know, um, I think politeness and punctuality and and relatability are key but um also make good music and buy me a beer man buy people a beer you know buy around like that never hurts and uh and just you know that's how so much it sounds terrible but it's that classic like so much of business is done on the golf course like so much of of metal journalism business is done at the bar man so much of it is you at the bar and that publicist being like you know, Maria Ferrero, who uh, is, from adrenaline PR, who, you know, helped like discover Metallica and represents Lamb of God, it's one of those people. will she walk up to you at a show and be like, did they ever email you back? And you'll be like, no, and she'll be like, hold on, and she'll get on her phone and like, make it happen. And so um, you know, if a band is interested in, in winning me over and getting written up, like I'll check out your album and uh, you know, if you meet me in person, you're a cool dude Me hanging hang out at the bar for a little bit, I'll remember you. You know what I mean? So you know, be careful because if you climb me too much, I might not remember you. You know, you have yeah. to walk that line. So, yeah. um, th- those are my my immediate thoughts. Um, and it's tough because with bands, so often with bands, there's this real desire to do that, like, you know, what is the old story about, like aside walking into the Roadrunner office, throwing their record of Montezuma, and be like, "You listen to it now," and like, that's not gonna work. I'm just gonna be like, "Who is that? What? Yeah. No." And then you know, so uh, be cool, be cool. It sounds like a terrible. You know, simplification of it, but it's the truth. It's just like, be cool, be human. We're all just trying to hang out, and you know, hand me your cool record. You know?
2: Cool. Um, do either of you two have any final questions for Chris before we wrap up? No. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So, Chris, do you have any final words before we wrap up?
1: Thank you for having me. This is cool, and it's it's interesting to talk about this kind of stuff because when you're doing the rock journalism thing, you don't really. Think about it while you're doing it. You know what I mean. You kind of are just often. You're you're just like, what? Uh, how do I feel about that? I I got something to do tomorrow. I can't really. So um, thank yeah. you for
2: having me. This is very cool. You're welcome. And with that, party on, Corey.
0: Party on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C Squared.